My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery of Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 187 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. I am back home this weekend after being gone almost the whole month of of September on the weekends and a little bit of August. It is nice to be back home. I'm looking forward to a, a Friday evening and a Friday night tonight with my family, and uh, and I also want to thank you for your patience with uh, the the lack of a, a podcast last week. Uh, I was out with a cold, and you really didn't want to to listen to me with the way my voice was sounding last week. I'm on the tail end of it this week. You can hear a little bit of it still hanging in there, but hopefully it'll all be gone um, by next. Our title this week is the Lord's Prayer. Our feature text is Sings Gospel Q eleven. 2 through 4, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be kept holy, let your reign come, our day's bread, give us today, and cancel our debts for us, as we too have canceled for those in debt to us, and do not put us to the test. Our companion text are Matthew 6, 9 through 12, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Luke eleven two through 4 he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we uh, also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This week we're looking at a, a saying in Q that, that many now call the Lord's Prayer. And last week we looked at, at the problematic nature of gendering God and Jesus' naming God as our Father. This week we'll consider the, the tangible, concrete, economic nature of the rest of this prayer. Um, this, this reign, or Jesus' reign of God, as we've learned uh, this year, can, can be defined simply, again, as people helping people, people taking responsibility for one another, living in, in centered relationships and, and community with a focus, of, uh, a focus on quality of life for those whose lives and value as human beings has been denied. It's a focus on survival and resistance, liberation, restoration, and, and transformation. And so this first part, this, this part about the daily bread is significant. This prayer purposefully focuses on today. It's not tomorrow, 
but today. Gandhi is believed to have said that every day the earth produces enough for every person's need, but not every person's greed. And greed can be defined as the exploitation of others and the hoarding of more than one needs for today uh, from fear of what may come in, uh, come tomorrow while ignoring the basic daily needs of those being exploited. In this prayer, Jesus doesn't ask for tomorrow's needs to be assured. He asks for our needs to be met today. And, and as we uh, let go of our fear of the future and we relinquish the exploitation of others and we choose instead a community of of mutual aid and resource sharing and and mutual responsibility and care, we enter a path of of trust. And we trust that that someone will take care of us uh, if something should befall us tomorrow. Uh, We trust that enough to be the one who takes care of those who who trouble has befallen today. And this is a path of abandonment on one side and embrace on the other. We're abandoning values such as individualism and independence, and we're embracing our reality as human beings um, that that we are interdependent with one another. So so we choose to to balance uh, each individual's needs and the community where all those needs can be met. And we, we take care of, of each other today, and we leave tomorrow to worry about itself. As long as we have each other, we can together face what may come tomorrow. We don't put our trust or our hope in accumulated wealth, but rather in each other as we live out the faith that Jesus modeled and the love that God shows us. See Psalm 62.10 and cross-reference that with 1 Timothy 6.17 on on putting trust in wealth. And and let's talk about canceling all debts. Next in this saying, there's a reference to debt cancellation. And, And some Q scholars believe that the phrase cancel all debts was part of the earliest form of this prayer. It's interesting how the versions of this saying progressed from Jesus's and the Torah's concern about economic liberation to a more spiritual language for debt that that left the economic plight of of the poor uh, simply unaddressed and and that that's really that was really convenient actually for for the wealthy. Let me and let me explain this a little bit. Let me unpack this. It's believed that the earliest form of the Q source text said cancel our debts for us as we have canceled those in debt to us. In the spirit of the Torah sabbatical year, or Jubilee, um, this represented a community that had literally canceled the debts of those who owed them. And they now prayed like dominoes that their creditors would cancel their debts as well. They were they were setting something in motion and, and praying for its end, uh, which was all debts forgiven, not just the debts of those that were owed to them, but the debts they owed to others as well. When Matthew's gospel adds this saying to, to Mark's narrative, it, it becomes, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And this still means essentially the same thing, but notice the word forgive um, rather than cancel. And this change actually sets up the phrasing in Luke. Luke's gospel's uh, phrase or, or phrasing for this saying is, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And this final step enlarges the prayer and it makes it relational rather 
than economic. Any sin is now included, and and the Torah or sabbatical year connection is largely lost. And, And now the prayer becomes a matter of forgiving wrongs others have committed in hopes that one's own wrongs will also be forgiven. And all three versions of the prayer are valid. It's also important to know, to know their origins, though, as well. We often focus on Jesus' relational teachings today, and with good reason. But Jesus' economic teachings are challenging, and it can, be, it can seem preferable, actually, to avert one's gaze from those and to focus just on the relational. Yet those economic teachings are there. Uh, the economic element is there in his teachings, nonetheless, and, and, and along with um, the teachings of the Torah. Remember Deuteronomy 15.1, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Luke's gospel uh, also affirms the centrality of all debts canceled in a u- unique way. Luke does begin Jesus' ministry with uh, Jesus taking the, the scroll of Isaiah in a Sabbath synagogue service and reading, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he, the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and the release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, that, and he was quoting Isaiah 61. This is in Luke 4, 18. But, but this year of the Lord's favor, that was the sabbatical year of Deuteronomy 15, 1, that Deuteronomy 15 is referring to, a year when the people were to cancel all debts. And that commandment brought hope to indentured farmers, who used to own the farms they they now worked on, and the day laborers who who worked with them earning day wages, and it brought fear, uh, objection, and threat. And think about the the, the fear, objection, and the threat that it must have brought to Herod's economy in Galilee and, and the wealthy aristocracy centered in Jerusalem. The economic elite in Galilee and Jerusalem would, would no doubt have been anxious to, to get rid of or, or to rid their society of this itinerant teacher stirring up the hopes of the poor. And I'll put a link to a presentation in this week's eSight where I go into that element a little bit more, more deeply. But, but, but there is a contrast, too, between the way Herod and Jesus approached politics. Politics is the subject of power and resources or or wealth. And Herod sought to hoard and then to wield power and resources as the means whereby which his Jewish people would be liberated with him at the helm as as hero and, and, and the liberation from him following unilaterally from him to the people. Jesus, on the other hand, he taught that both power and resources should be shared. Rather than the unilateral hero deliverance that that we've transformed Jesus' salvation into, Jesus taught the shared power of community, where debts are canceled, resources are shared, uh, wealth is redistributed, and, and mutual aid becomes the order of the day. Jesus wanted his followers to be the source of a liberation that not only benefited the Jewish people, but would spread to and change the Roman world as well. It's a misunderstanding to say that that a community informed by Jesus' teachings today should be relegated to spiritual matters, and, and that matters of politics should be left to the state. Jesus had much to say that was political about power and about resources, and the community of Jesus' followers is just as political 
political as the state, we simply choose to go about politics differently. So, so let's talk about um, not being put to the test last this week. Uh, I want to discuss the difference here between choosing life uh, with the risk of a cross as a pushback from the death dealers and thinking rather that a cross or suffering is in itself the goal. Choosing a cross doesn't bring life. Choosing life brings life. And sometimes we have to, to choose life even when a cross is being threatened against us. But but choose life and, and thus a cross, we, we must. There is a subtle difference between choosing life with the risk of a cross and choosing a cross for the cross's sake. If we can avoid suffering without sacrificing justice or our hold on life, then that is the better choice. In Jesus's time, the cross was state execution. When you're dead, whatever your reasons or your motives, you're dead. In following Jesus, we should choose life, even if threatened with death from the death dealers. And we should also not go around looking to get ourselves killed. And this is why I believe we're taught to pray, do not put us to the test. Because Jesus' followers seek to emulate Jesus, how we define being like Jesus is vital. Jesus chose the way of life even when being threatened with a cross. He did not choose a cross. In cases of domestic violence especially, this is one example, many women are counseled to be like Jesus. Though they have, they've sacrificed themselves by remaining in, in environments that are destructive to their entire being. So we must be careful not to glorify suffering in, in contexts like this. And, and we have to be careful that as we reject redemptive violence, uh, not to teach redemptive suffering uh, on the flip side of that coin. And to be like Jesus means to choose life, even when all the risks, threats, and the dangers uh, that taking hold of life and not being willing to let go of it uh, entails, uh, all the while praying that we will not be brought to what the gospel writers call the, the time of testing. And we choose life regardless of risk, knowing that there may be a, a cross as a result and keeping our focus on, on the life found in Jesus, not the death found in Jesus. The, the, when Jesus calls a person to follow him, he does not call that person to die. He calls that person to live. And it is the, the, it's the threats of the powers that be that overshadow our choice of life uh, with a cross that make sometimes choosing life involve a cross. It's not an intrinsic connection, but it's an imposed one. We'll cover this again in much more detail uh, when we get to Jesus' sayings about actually taking up the cross. Today, my intuition tells me that we must allow ourselves to face the economic elements of the Lord's Prayer in its original form. In a dog-eat-dog -dog world, what could be changed if we choose to, to strike a more radical balance between individualism and what's best for our community? Debt cancellation is a large task, and some are doing this task well, but not all are creditors. And I would assume that, that many more of us are on the, the debtor side of the coin. So, so it's easier, uh, maybe an easier entry point 
may be a simple choice to follow Jesus' teachings on mutual aid or, or sharing what we do have with others. Regardless of where we pick up Jesus' economic teachings, we can make a choice to subvert our cultural tendency to value property over people or even treat people as property and instead place people before both profit and property. The power of this choice should not be underestimated. It's the very stuff that I believe has the potential to change the world. And so we too pray this week, Father, may your name be kept holy. Let your reign come. Our day's bread give us today and cancel our debts for us as we too have canceled for those in debt to us and do not put us to the test. Heart group application. Too often, the church has only embraced uh, social change once outside forces have given it no other option. We have taught that the, the gospel story teaches values that can create change more intrinsically, but, but this has never been how it's taken place. Not yet. And whether we're, we're talking about slavery, uh, the issue of equality for the sexes, um, e- economic change, or, or today justice for our LGBT siblings, uh, the, the church has seemed always to historically lag behind um, um, these positive changes in our world. So for discussion this week, I want you to discuss examples where historically change did not come for the church from internal causes, but from outside pressure, pressures. You may have to do a little research, um, but but uh, take, take a look at those and, and discuss those. And then number two, discuss why you feel this is typical. Why has this been the norm? And what your group, discuss what your group may be able to do to, to change that order for you guys as, as, a, as, a, as a community. And then number three, pick one of those things that you just discussed that could change this for you and implement it this coming week. The Lord's Prayer uh, could produce radical socioeconomic change for those who, who have the courage not just to pray it, but also to step out and implement it in the world. So let's not just pray it. Let's put it into action. Thanks again for checking in this week, wherever you are and whatever you may find yourself in the midst of. Our hope is that your heart has been renewed and inspired to continue following the salvific teachings of Jesus in your life and in your community. Keep living in love, daily choosing love above all else, till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues, is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember 
remember, every little bit helps. And, and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are, are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. 